0: This is Dating After Death, a podcast sorting out all the complicated emotions that come along with looking for love again after losing our forever person. And I am your currently anonymous host. You know those people who just speak the truth? They kind of have a, I don't give enough what other people think about this. I'm just going to say it because it's true attitude. Well, that's our guest today. Her name is Anita Burton, and her and I connected over what I thought was a very funny story that she shared with me relatively early on after losing her fiance, Alistair. Anita has some really interesting ways to look at the human response and what grief is like in the early months. She really provided some things that I have held on to and thought about since this conversation. She and I get into it about the human desire for touch and intimacy and what those options are for us when our person has died. This conversation is raw and real and fantastic. So here's Anita. You're my first international interview, Anita. <laughs> <laughs> it feels, where, where do you live? I'm in Chicago. Ah, okay. And where are you exactly? So I'm
1: in a place called Hamilton. So we um, are in the North Island and kind of, I mean, the biggest city is Auckland. We're about two hours south of that by car. Okay.
0: So I'm super excited to have you. I'm going to tell why I wanted to have you on in vague terms and then let you decide if you want to tell this story or not. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I don't even know how, but somehow we ended up chatting on Instagram, probably you're just responding to a post. And you told me a very personal story about um, some widow's fire desire that you had right after Alistair died. And I was just like, Yes, I have to talk to her. (laughs) Just because of the honesty, like the honesty. So good.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's real, man. It's real.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, seriously. So, um, of course, though, before we get to all that, I would love to just hear your story about you and Alistair.
1: Oh, oh, I love being asked about like how we met because it's one of those things that is not as you know, it's, I guess, not as important now to, to lots of people. The main thing was that mm. he died. And so being asked about how we met is and how we how our relationship was is just so lovely. Yes. Um, so we met through friends. So we had mutual friends and uh, it was summertime in New Zealand. So it was December 2012. And so you have all these like outdoor festivals and gigs at that time of mm. year. We were introduced. Unfortunately, I had had about 17 drinks that night and so <laughs> I had no idea uh, sort of who yeah I didn't remember him that well basically is, is is the truth um but clearly I made an impression on him and he found me on Facebook a few days later and messaged me um and then we went for a night out together I brought him home to my house and I demanded that he build a fort in my living room
0: oh my gosh and a movie scene.
1: we ate scrambled eggs in there and slept in the in the fort and then yeah we oh were like gosh. together that was that was it and yeah he was he, he he was a really really I guess one of the kindest people I've ever met he was really good looking and didn't know uh. it which um, That's is kind. just dreamy.
0: Wait a second. I have to ask about the fort.
1: Oh, sure. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Because this is very unique. Did you do this on all of your first dates? No, I
1: did not. In fact, he was the first man. I, you know, he was the only one who was worthy. I could see in his eyes that he would build me a great fort. and oh my get, gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So I'm a teacher by trade, and I just have to tell you, like, my heart is, like, singing. It's like... It, because... There's th- something so beautiful, right, about like holding on to the joys from childhood that totally. so many adults let go of. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like sort of in awe of you right now. Like
1: It's that desire for play, right? Yes. And we were always really playful. You know, we were always had good humor together. You know, no relationship is perfect, right? Of course. And of course, now that it's over, I think I look at it through really rose colored glasses and mm. yeah, I have to be careful about that. You know, we did. Ha- we had so much fun like so much fun. So how long were you together? We were together for eight and a half years before he died. Okay. Yeah. And engaged
0: to be married. Is that right?
1: Yes. So we got engaged in March last year. Okay. And uh, I still feel like I am engaged. I'm not sure why, but, um, and then he died in June. Okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty short turnaround, you know, when we got engaged. We'd, we'd been together so long, like it was kind of just a formality. But man, yeah. I really did. It was a magical few weeks. You're like buzzing mm. from this excitement. It just felt really good for the, those last few months. A, yeah, Course. kind of a magical time.
0: Yeah. I was just talking to someone else about how I also had that gift of like the last few weeks being so lovely. Mm. And I mm. totally cherish that
1: yeah, I guess I, 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 can look at it as a, as a gift or as a, as something that was almost cruel and how yeah. beautiful it was.
0: Yeah. So knowing that, um, and I, I'm really only asking this because I've heard it come up a few times and I really, it's very important to me to make sure that I'm inclusive of everyone who's lost someone, right? Mm. Not just those who feel like they can claim the term widow. Mm. Um, so how does that term resonate with you or how does it feel to you knowing that you weren't yet married officially
1: yeah yeah it's this weird thing because in everything but name we were married so yeah we had property together we had been together for such a long time yeah, it's, it's it's strange. So I think in the States you have a term called common law husband. Oh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: We don't have that so much here, but we have a thing called de facto partner. And a de facto partner mm. is someone you've been living with for three years or longer. And under most laws in New Zealand, you're viewed as a married couple. Not all, but there are some exceptions, but, but you're pretty much viewed as a married couple. And so I started, I actually started using, after Ellie died, a um, particularly with children, it's really hard to explain like I'm not going to explain to your four-year-old the difference between a long-term serious de facto partner and my husband. So I just started using the term husband because it's much that it's much it's in their framework. yeah, correct. And the term widow really came up I kind of started using as a self-empowerment term um, mm. because it is the only frame we have to talk about someone who has lost their spouse yeah I I had never thought about it until someone called me a widow at the the funeral so someone Mm -hmm. said oh I I can't even remember what the conversation was but somehow someone called me the widow and I'd never thought about it Mm -mm. like that until that point
0: they said the widow yeah. The,
1: yeah. I mean, you're his mm. widow. I was like, yeah. I, I never belonged to him, but all right. Yeah. So it, for me, it's been a term of empowerment. Yeah. And no one's ever questioned me on it, to be honest. We'd been together a really long time.
0: Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us just if you're comfortable about what happened? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So for a little bit of context,
1: I guess it's yeah, it's probably good to bring this up. So I Ellie and I would try to start, sorry, I call him Ellie. if if you're confused about who I'm talking about, that's who it is. <laughs> so he and I would try to have a family, and uh, we were in the midst of IVF so we had just had our first embryo transfer which had failed so that happened on the Sunday and then that week I stayed home from work I wasn't feeling very well I, I just needed some time to recuperate yeah. I woke up on the Thursday morning on the 17th of June and I just I knew something was wrong so I, usually whenever Alistair leaves for work he would always come and wake me up he'd kiss me goodbye he'd say have a good day
0: yeah
1: and I woke up and he wasn't home and it just felt odd and I sort of texted him and he never text me back so I had an appointment at nine o'clock in the morning and I went to this appointment and I, I said to the woman I was with I said it's really strange um Ellie hasn't texted me back this morning it's unlike him and at the end mm-hmm. of the appointment I checked my phone again and and he still hadn't texted back so I knew where he was working that day. He was an electrician and mm. so he I knew where his latest job was. So I went and I drove up and down that street a few times, sort of looking for his van. Yeah. And I didn't see it and I thought, oh, maybe he's at home. So I came back home and he wasn't here. And so I went back out and drove up and down the street again. And then I came back home and I don't know, I just didn't feel right. And I remember texting him saying like, hey, babe, can you please text me back? I'm I'm really worried. Yeah. And then I sat down to have some lunch at home and I was actually like, basically vegging out on the couch watching The Crown. Um, (laughs) And I saw a flash of yellow, sort of highlighter yellow, came past my line of vision and then at the door. And, yeah, um, three police officers were there and the yellow was their high-vis vests. And um, I opened the door and I knew it had to be to do with Alistair. And they said, does the owner of a vehicle... Live here? Is it? It's registered to this address. And I said yes. I said where's my partner? And they Mm. said the driver of that vehicle was involved in a head-on collision Mm. at about half past seven this morning and died at the scene. And that's how I found out. Mm. (laughs) And I'm laughing not because I believe it's funny, obviously, but it's I've never I've never told anyone it like that. I've never sort of said all of those things out loud. And that's that's how I found out he died.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that that circles in your brain over and over, but then it's something different to say it out loud.
1: Yeah, it is. And I replay that a lot in my mind because I was very panicked. So as soon as I found out I was cold sweats, I couldn't sit down. I couldn't, I was howling. I was trying to, you know, I was asking, where is he? Where is he? And Mm. it just kind of, yeah, in a real animal response. And they said, look, can we call someone to come here and be with you? And I said, um, call my sister, call my sister. So they got my phone and and called my sister and they must have told her sort of what had happened because she came really quickly. And then I was standing in my kitchen looking out the window and she drove in the driveway and I could see her car and I could see her arrive and I could see the police officer talking to her in the driveway. And she looked at me and my, and my soul and I looked into her soul and I just, that, like that moment, I've never felt anything more powerful with another human. I just, mm. life had changed. Like someone else knew about this now. It was, yeah,
0: yeah. it was, it was real.
1: real. It was real. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, just in general, how do you, how are you faring? How has <laughs> it been going? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess, I guess, um, as you said in the, when we started preparing for this, it's pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. I think at first, I mean, it was shop. So there was a lot of adrenaline. I didn't sleep. I mean, the the physiological things, I didn't sleep very well. I never sat down. I was pacing, pacing, pacing. Um, I'm a big coffee drinker and I just couldn't stand the sight of coffee. I'm Mm. a big sweet tooth and I couldn't eat dessert.
0: nothing normal it it
1: was it was totally my 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 brain separated from my physical being completely because it just shut down it's trying to protect itself um so I had that very visceral I guess shock response
0: yeah And did you end up going back to work?
1: Yeah, I I have a, um, I work for a company who have been really amazing. So they gave me a month of bereavement leave. And then I slowly started going back to work. At first I went back and I was like, this is great. And then three days later, I could not, I just really Mm -hmm. couldn't. Um, And my boss sort of said to me, he's like, yeah, we, I mean, we wondered whether this was a little bit much too soon, but Then I started working Mm -hmm. part-time. I'm doing about 30 hours a week of work, which feels okay at the moment. And I'll probably go back to full-time work at some point, but it also feels really fucking pointless. (laughs) Um,
0: Am I allowed to swear? Yes, go ahead. Oh yeah. We're already listed as explicit, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hardcore.
1: You've got the rating.
0: Um, All these raging widows. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right.
1: (laughs) We've all got a lot of pent-up anger. Yeah. It just feels really pointless. Like I'm in marketing and I'm just like, wow, selling crap to people. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, Love yeah. my job. And I work with wonderful people. And that's why I go every day other than yeah. the fact I have nowhere else to be. But yeah, it, it, it feels um, fairly
0: meaningless at this point. I also think it's just good for people to hear that working part-time is like a totally normal thing and necessary. and
1: And you don't have to have children. To do this right
0: exactly yeah just like this self-care needed to survive like work just can't be everything
1: admittedly I'm in a privileged position where I'm allowed I can do this you yeah. know I have the financial ability to be able to reduce my hours and I can still you know I'll reduce a few costs but I can still live comfortably and I'm totally aware yeah. that's not the case for everybody
0: right yeah, of course yeah Okay, so on to the topic of thinking about the future a little, which I will just even, first of all, thank you for being on before the year mark. Mm. I think most people would say, at least in my conversations with people, is just like the first year feels like such a fog and survival and shock and all of that. And the fact that you're willing to talk to us and tell us what this is like early on, Mm. I think is, I'm so grateful to you. So thank you.
1: No, it's a privilege. Thank
0: you. And also just like, I would love to hear as much of like the nitty gritty of Mm -hmm. where has your mind been when it comes to thinking about next chapter or sex or love or any of that. So
1: there's two worlds I live in at the moment. So it really Mm -hmm. felt when Alistair died, immediately what came to mind was that I had been in this beautiful dream, you know, this really innocent, lovely space. I'd never had a big loss before like this. Mm -hmm. And it felt like I woke up and I was just in like an apocalyptic wasteland. Um Mm. and I think when that happens, and the term widow's fire is something that I've only I've only just learned about that term, but the actual experience is more Mm. it's very animalistic. So there's something about evolution that we just go, oh the person I, who protect, who, who we're together. Like we, you know, we run in packs, right? We're family animals. And so we, we go, oh, that person's gone. We need to find other people. There's safety in numbers that you know that's where french friends and and also family you know play a big role but yeah from an evolutionary perspective and from a procreation perspective you, you're trying to keep the species going and so that's what i think that's what causes this term you know this widow's fire is basically you need to remate quickly let's all remate right. um and of course i don't <laughs> want that like i'm not right. I, you know i'm i'm not desperate to find someone and have their children immediately but i think that's what leads to this feeling of yeah extreme kind of sexual Desire after your spouse dies.
0: Yes, and I always also think about just like all those years where you had this regular sexual partner, and yeah, you know, if you were lucky, if you were fortunate, you had a good sex life, and then all of a sudden, just like bam, it's over, and your body's gone. What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: and even just the feeling of someone touch next to you, and you know, the weight of somebody else, and that Mm -hmm. that feeling of being. Oh man you're you're imprinted with them you know your hugs are are made for them your mm. you know your whole body is set up for that person there's some type of sinking that goes on um there has to be because it, it, yeah you just you just miss that that's a real visceral yeah. type of thing and a real human need yeah in in my experience anyway yeah i guess for lack of a better term i was really horny like 2 weeks after um alistair yeah. died yeah. which felt so weird it's such a, you know, a dichotomy, like you're desperately sad and you never want to replace that person and you can never imagine being with anyone else. But you also have really strong feelings that um, you need to be with somebody.
0: Yeah. Also that I feel like this happens too in partnership where if you're going through a dry spell or something, then <laughs> one of you is finally like, oh my gosh, it's been long enough. Let's go. And then the other person is there and it gets satisfied. Yeah. But that's no longer a reality for us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, maybe it's your body's way of telling you, "Oh, cuz it doesn't realize that the person's died. Your head knows it, right. but your body doesn't." And so maybe it's your body's way of going, "Hey, remember that guy? Remember you 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 need him. So get yeah. to it." Come on. Right. But yeah, it's just like this, I guess, cycle and then there's nowhere for it to go. Um. Yeah.
0: So have you had any strategies, tips, anything?
1: Um, strategies. <laughs> I've, got, I've got like a document of strategies. Um, no. <laughs> well, okay. So when it first happened, lots of things were through your head, right? And so nice. I was like, okay, how could I, if, if I wanted to make this happen, how could I make it happen? So my first thought was, well, I've never done the apps because that wasn't a thing when Ellie and I got together. So maybe yep. I'll download Tinder. And then I thought, mm. No, no, because that's too much admin. I don't want to message somebody. I don't. <laughs> that's too much admin. I don't want to deal with someone else's bullshit either. Totally. I'm not interested. In, I've got enough of my own. And so then I thought, okay, well, how else do you meet a man who you aren't that interested in? but can fulfill some needs. And so I I Googled uh, male escorts. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a big gap in the market for this. Um, If anyone in New Zealand (laughs) would like to be a male escort, there's very few that I could find. And and I mean, to be fair, I wasn't looking seriously, It's also really expensive. And I just, I
0: I mean, this is the story. This is so good. Just please keep going.
1: Oh Oh dear. Um, yeah. So I found this one site and it had like, you know, these pictures of these guys on it and you could have this like girlfriend experience or boyfriend experience or whatever. And you could, yeah, it talked about their hourly rates and it covered everything. They were very like, Like it it covers everything. Like a menu. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could have what you wanted. Okay. Or or you could just go on a date with them. Like it was very, yeah, it was, it was kind of like they were boyfriends to hire.
0: Okay. I know there's this question out there. Can you hire somebody to just come over and snuggle?
1: Totally yes, and okay. that, that is like one of the things that they stipulate on this website. It's definitely more about the experience. As a, and okay. I think they do sexy things too, but it's sure. more about that experience. Yeah, and I mean, I you know I didn't do this. Just I ruined the so I ruined right, the right. story for everybody. <laughs> I have not hired a male escort. Um, what was good about it is that I was like okay well at least I get super desperate like that's an option and then it all just just gets too hard you're also like you have no capacity for doing anything you're sad you're upset you're just trying to like put one foot in front of the other so I just bought a really fancy vibrator off the internet there you and go. that was uh that was how I handled that so that is my strategy <laughs> I think,
0: I think most of us are on board with that. <laughs>
1: yeah, and if you're not on board with it, buy a more expensive one. because <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like.
0: Okay, so you've got the very good vibrator, mm-hmm. which is nice, but uh, in my experience doesn't satisfy necessarily the need to be touched or yeah. any of that. So yeah. have you taken any steps towards meeting other people or... What are you uh, thinking, looking forward about all that?
1: No, I haven't I haven't taken any proper steps. I actually, uh, this week, I was like, look, if I'm going on a podcast about dating, I need to figure out how, <laughs> like, how do I feel about dating? And so I downloaded Bumble. Mm. I um, put up my profile. And I tell you what, there is a reason why all of these mid-30s men are single on this app. Like, mm. none of them can hold a conversation. They don't, like... If you're texting, you need to ask questions so that the
0: conversation is yeah. going. Not just, hey. Hi. <laughs> How many whys do you put in the word hey? <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you put the horse emoji next to it? <laughs> yeah. So I did that. And I tell you what, it's actually nice. When I was listening to your first two podcasts, and there was a lot of discussion about like the distraction it's it Mm. can be a really nice distraction just for someone to be messaging you I don't think I want to meet anyone um yet yeah I've just kind of gone beyond that now I think I'll come out the other side at some point yeah yeah I mean I love your story of how you um just like met someone at a wedding and uh made out with them that's great I'm going to a wedding this weekend actually so you know (gasps) hopes are high (laughs)
0: just drink way too much and I think you're set
1: (laughs) no I I still can't really think about I just don't know how that fit into my life as well I don't know how that I kind of dream of the relationship that might happen in the future with someone who loves my family and who Mm. gets along with Alistair's family is really important to me too because I'm really close with them someone who you know we, we create a new team together because that's what i love i loved being in a relationship i love being in a mm-hmm. team i love love <laughs> i love love yeah and i kind of picture this new relationship where that's all there already but getting to mm. that point i i have no idea
0: i have no idea yeah. how that happens yes and that is something i work through with my therapist i feel like weekly like <laughs> why yeah. is this taking so long or she'll say like remember when you first met your husband it was the same it took yeah. a long time yeah like, are you sure
1: <laughs> I don't remember it being that way in New Zealand the main way that um most people get into a relationship well certainly this was true in my 20s is that basically you'd go for a night out you'd get blind drunk you'd make out with somebody <laughs> you'd take them home and they just never leave you were in a relationship you moved in together like that's it
0: like we're very they just never leave
1: And I don't go clubbing anymore. So I don't really, I don't know how else relationships start. Apparently the apps, but I'm I'm yet to see. I'm yet to see how that's possible.
0: There is certainly a part of me that just pines for like, dating pre-dating app Yes. even though like there's something so easy about the dating app right like that I could just sit at home and like swipe and scroll and shop for men but on the other hand I'm like couldn't we just go to a restaurant and somebody try to pick me up yes yes like how nice would
1: that be there should be a particular restaurant that you just go to if you're single and it's like nice food and like Mm -hmm. grown-up people I don't know No, this is not a fully thought through plan, but yeah, you
0: know what I mean. I totally know. Yeah. I think it's interesting too that you're mentioning your Alistair's family, Mm -hmm. just because that's such a huge consideration for me too. I guess I feel like this is going to be a tricky one for any man. Like Mm. there's a lot for a man to walk into in my life already Mm. between widowhood and my children and the expectation of being their next father kind of stuff. Yes, and yeah. then maintaining a relationship with my dead husband's family. Ah. Uh, yeah. Basically,
1: you're, you know, you're trying to convince someone to sign up for two sets of in-laws, which mm-hmm. it's, that's a lot of in-laws and no matter, you know, I, I love my in-laws. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's, it's a whole other, it's a whole other thing for someone to be able to get used to
0: and to yeah. accept. Yeah. It's just going to take a really fucking amazing person.
1: Correct. Yes, for all of
0: us correct. listening
1: and they would have to be like we're fucking amazing so we that's right yeah. increasingly
0: so as the months go on
1: <laughs> every day is a new day um, yeah we deserve it i think we deserve it
0: so how have your family and close friends been about like have people been asking or mentioning it or are you talking about it at all or the future in general
1: yeah so my close girlfriends i have said to them look if you i'll be looking for recommendations at some point if you see anyone good just like put them away until i'm ready because i if i if i get them now i'm not going to make good use of them and if it's a good a really good person for me i need to meet them a little bit further down the track so just put them oh away that. keep them in a the box somewhere and, and bring them out and keep when them single yes keep them single <laughs> Yeah. I think most people, you know, the people I'm closest to know that at some point I would love to be in love again. Yeah, I've told a couple of people about the Bumble thing. People are supportive. I think most people are supportive that it will happen at some point. I don't know what, you know, how they would react if I randomly showed up and I was like, Hey, can I bring a date? I'm dating this person. And it was like, wham, bam, especially now it still feels pretty early. And I do wonder how people would react to that. Um, I think that might come as a little bit of a shock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, um, or they might be cool with it. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. It is so hard to know how people are going to react. And I don't know about you, but I just felt so much pressure to manage mm-hmm. everyone's expectations. Yes.
1: Yes. There are expectations because you're trying to live your life for this person who you want to make them proud. You know, you want to embody some of the things that they were because they were great. And yeah. other people have perceptions about what the right thing is. And that's something I think all of us worry about all the time is other people's yeah. perceptions. We, you know, we I, I don't want to, but unfortunately that's just how I'm built, I suppose. So
0: speaking of perceptions, I feel like You know, I have a limited knowledge of the world's sort of approach to widowhood. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the States, I have a general understanding. What do you think is sort of like the party line down under when it comes to widows? I don't know if there's necessarily a party line, but like, what are some societal expectations you feel?
1: I definitely feel like there's a societal expectation, especially if you're a young widow, that
0: you will move
1: into a new relationship at some point um in terms of timelines i i think it varies if you asked a widow i well you're asking a widow um Mm -hmm. when i think about it i'm like oh yeah after a year i might be ready to like maybe go on a date i'm Mm -hmm. not sure if that would be the perception of other people um grief in new zealand uh particularly so we've got um some big sort of cultural groups here in new zealand we've got a very strong maori culture um i'm not maori i'm pakeha which means um a new zealand european person and Mm -hmm. we're not a very religious nation probably we do you know there's there's certainly um lots of religions here but um there's a lot of more secular people and we just really suck at grief like we're just not very good at it Mm -hmm. um we don't have like a particular norm. There are some rituals, but it's not always kind of hard and fast. And I think, you know, when your 35 year old partner dies suddenly with no expectation, you know, with no Mm. warning and you're tasked with organizing a funeral when you've only been to two funerals in your life Mm. and there's the things that are set up to deal with that are all for older people
0: yeah
1: yeah it, I didn't I didn't think there was like a good model of how we could start to process that um, yeah and it's been quite interesting because in um, the Maori world and they call it te ao, te ao Maori which is the the Maori world view they have a really specific way of dealing with death and mm. the funeral is is a long is a long time. You know, it's several days. Lots of people come. They sleep with the body in the meeting house, which is um, mm. called a marae. I kind of longed for that type of ritual. Mm. I think the way we did it was lovely and I don't regret anything about it, but I look at some of those more cultural rituals and yeah, I think that would be really cool. I've gone down a totally different path here. Oh
0: no, it's totally fine.
1: In terms of widowhood, I think it's not really that talked about if I'm honest. Yeah. I mean,
0: it sounds very similar to what Mm. happens in the States. You know, we're expected to sort of move through quickly and Mm. nobody's like prepared for young widows, which I think is why all of us connect on Instagram so readily because it's totally. like oh my gosh someone else like me yeah
1: yeah it just feels like a, a big string across my across the world to your stomach that's just yes. you, know, you know holding holding each other in some way
0: yeah and it really actually legitimately helps speaking of which you just started your own Instagram page
1: yes oh i'm a bit nervous about it
0: are you <laughs> yeah tell me why you're doing that separate from your personal page so every month on the
1: anniversary of Ellie's death, I have posted to my personal social accounts about my experience as a widow. Sometimes it's an analogy. Sometimes it's about him in particular. Sometimes it's about the seasons changing. Just things that I think people might find interesting or that people that can connect people to my journey. Because
0: and that it's I always know. really beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. I've had a few people just say to me like, hey, just wanted to reach out and say that I think your writing's really lovely and it's a real connector. And I guess I wanted to share it separately because it's not something that everyone wants to see. Wow, well, actually, mm. I don't know that. I feel sometimes like I want to say things that aren't necessarily going to be happy. Understood.
0: Or mm. understood.
1: People aren't going to have a frame of reference for it. And maybe that giving people the option to see those things just felt more right. Um, And when I first thought of doing it, I actually thought of of making it more anonymous. But now I've gotten to a point where I don't care. Like, I, 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 you know, it's like talking about this stuff. Like, obviously, people are going to hear it. Probably some people I know are going to hear it. And they're going to hear about my fancy vibrator. And, (laughs) you know, that's a bit weird, but I also just don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, and I think like so many times, it's important for people to just say the things nobody else will talk about. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: to be fair, I find it a little bit easier to talk about that than I do about some of the more deep-seated horrible shit that's in my soul. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very pleasant to be flippant, and it, it yeah. feels <laughs> humor is a great coping mechanism. And vibrators are humorous.
0: Yes, they totally are. <laughs> so I think I'm ready for some quick questions. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. I'm just going to okay. number up. I'm just going to up. <laughs> okay, time up. Feel, feel free to say pass or skip. So online dating, which you've sort of already answered. Y- yes,
1: although I already deeply hate it.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, may, I hope for you that that changes. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. We're going to stay in touch about that. Did you, when you started Bumble just this week, did you put your widowed on your profile?
1: I did. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to explain that? If you want to. I just felt like if someone wanted to message me, they should, I just want them to know that so that I don't then have to address it later. That was the only Yeah. Name.
0: Yes. Because I have not done Bumble, only Hinge. Is that like something you are required to select or did you choose to write it?
1: No, it's written in the bio part.
0: Okay. Perfect. Do you see yourself getting married someday? Uh, yes. Okay.
1: Gender experimentation? I have thought about this. Uh, I'm going to say it's really, really unlikely, but okay. I totally, I kind of wish I could, I would, because it would be a person that's really different from Alistair. Like I, you know, mm. men, you know there's just, yeah, it would be really different. I, I couldn't compare them as much to Alistair as I would a man to Alistair yeah yeah but but no it's 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 pretty unlikely for me
0: yeah I like that that answer though you're open to setups from your friends
1: uh, yes as explained uh they're to keep you're right friends, um <laughs> for, for a rainy day
0: do you trust your friends setting you up with someone
1: not all of them
0: no um I... <laughs> <laughs> would you like to name the ones you don't trust <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely not
0: <laughs> um Kidding. no all of my friends
1: are wonderful and ye- yes I trust most of them um I think also probably I'd go to specific different friends depending on what I was
0: after uh-huh wrong um totally understandable yeah are you still sleeping in the same bed that you slept in with Alistair I am and would you have someone else in it no definitely not okay. <sighs>
1: man his t-shirt his sleeping t-shirt is still under the pillow I um yeah no I I, I yeah no okay no, hard I understand
0: for me <laughs> yes me too Okay, could you date someone with Alistair's name or likeness?
1: Okay, so this is another Bumble experience. So when mm. I started some Bumble conversations, the like one of the first people I started messaging, his name was Alistair. It was spelled mm. differently and he looked very different. But honestly, yes, I would date someone with Alistair's name. I would never be able to call him Ellie, I don't think. Mm. I think that's very reserved for my Alistair. Yes. I would date someone who looked like Alistair as I said he was he is very good looking so and he's oh but no one will look like Alistair he was just he was just perfect for me and I just yeah even if someone did look like him they wouldn't
0: no of course yeah. M- mannerisms and all of that
1: and that's what makes a person attractive I think for me is, is yeah. the way they carry themselves and
0: yeah yeah what is one thing you're really looking forward to just in general
1: yeah I think it's a tough question um, because I'm very much one foot in front of the other at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to – actually, I'm really looking forward to winter mm. and and really not as well at this point. So it, in New Zealand at the moment, it's it's autumn or nearly autumn. Mm-hmm. Thing You know, the weather's starting to change a little bit. Winter was the, the season that Ellie died in. And, oh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to it, if I am because I love being cosy and mm. I, I'm just – I'm in need of some coziness and that's, that's yeah. nice in winter. I love that.
0: Anita, I'm just really thankful again that you're talking to us and also just heartbroken for you. Like I see the love in your face and in your eyes and I know that pain and I just am sending you so much love. And...
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think, as I said, like um, I feel really anchorless, you know, I mm. feel like I'm just drifting and with the Instagram community, I, I just feel a little bit more tethered to something. Yeah. A little bit more like I'm not gonna float away. And I think yeah, it's been uh, quite important for me.
0: Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> well, I know you'll be receiving lots of love. From oh! so, all of us. Magical. <laughs> Sending <Bye>. love. <laughs> I'll talk to you again. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that Instagram page we were talking about is called Imprinted Widow. We all remember what it was like in those really early days. So head over there and send her some love or follow her page. If you have been enjoying this podcast, go ahead and follow along on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or I guess, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. If you tap those three little buttons and hit follow... Then every time a new episode comes out, you'll get notified and you won't miss anything. Plus, it just really helps the show to gain exposure when any of you like it or follow along. So those fun little stars are always appreciated as well. All right, everybody, until next time, this has been Dating After Death.